0: what's up everybody it's the power rankings podcast aka the power ranking show i'm your host elliot harrison and i'm pleased to be joined as always with at marcus underscore mosher how are you sir i'm doing well elliot. how are you so I already know this because I talked to you offline, but the golf shirts on like, this is getting ridiculous. You have a, you have a problem.
1: I mean, listen, this is my off season as well. I just need a little time to, to get away from the computer monitor and uh, work. And it's a nice way to kind of declutter the mind.
0: I I understand. I understand. There's not a lot going on in the NFL right now to clutter your mind. Although you've Mm been (coughs) fighting on Twitter, I see. Uh, we will talk about that in a minute. I wanted to address the news this week, uh, tragic news in the NFL. We had uh, two players associated with the Baltimore Ravens specifically, but uh, uh, pretty well-known players pass away, Jalen Ferguson, and then Tony Saragusa, who was part of the 2000 Ravens uh, defense that is a legendary. And uh, obviously, anytime these kinds of things happen, people want to know the details and – and um You just, you feel for the families in these kinds of times, because when it's someone who's public, people start talking about their career and, you know, this is somebody's brother, right? Mm -hmm. This is somebody's son. Somebody's dad, right? Right, right. And so, uh, you know, now that a few days have passed, I you know, I thought it might be nice if some of our listeners knew who these guys were, you know, as, as players Uh, while also sending out our condolences, um, I wanted to start with Jalen Ferguson because Mm -hmm. you watched the draft very closely. You're familiar with when this guy came out and, and what he was as a prospect and, uh, also to share some thoughts about, uh, him as a teammate from the things that you've heard.
1: Yeah. So first of all, we want to offer our our condolences to the family, to the Ravens family. This is just awful, awful news. Um, by the sounds of everything that we've heard and that we've been reading, it sounds like he was a beloved teammate. He was only 26 years old. Um, it's just it's so it's so hard. But he was in line to to play a lot of snaps for the Ravens this year. But when you kind of go back into like his story, like kind of coming out of college, first of all, he had ridiculous production in at Louisiana Tech. Actually, has the most sex ever. Uh, for a college football player during their career, 45. He wow. was the first person in, in his entire family um, to, to to graduate college, which is awesome, and that's absolutely incredible. Um, it, there were some times during his rookie season, or the first couple of seasons in the league, where he struggled, and part of that's due to some lack of athleticism. But by all accounts, it sounds like he was – getting ready for a breakout season. And it's just really unfortunate all the way around.
0: Yeah. It, it, you know, as, as with Tony Saragusa, uh, uh, you didn't have to spend very long on social media to see how people viewed this and, and um, not just as a tragedy, but that these were really well loved guys and that um, it's not that it's so important that people are, popular or not before they pass away, but when someone passes away that you could tell was loved by their community, it's even um, worse, right? It hits, it, out, it, it hits is, it harder. is, yep. it, it's kind of hard to verbalize. I'm, I'm struggling with it right now because you, you, it doesn't matter whether someone is popular or not. And, and I don't want it to come across that way. It's just, it adds a different layer When someone was either involved in their community, well loved in their community, um, Mm -hmm. you know, or a leader in their community in Tony Saragusa's case kind of gave levity to the football community uh, as a whole. And that's the thing that I will remember about him. I was at Fox when they started using Tony Saragusa on the sidelines Mm -hmm. when they had had, uh, I'm trying to think if I had already started there that his first year. But it was around the same time that I came on at Fox. And it was kind of a different way that they were using him. You know, they would have him kind of stand on the sideline and just like a short sleeve button down with some kind of print on it. And he would—he wasn't being a sideline reporter per se, like giving you injury updates. He would tell you what he was seeing from the field. Like That, that was my favorite part. He
1: stood right in the end zone, basically. And he was watching it, right? He can tell you... I remember him telling you about the guards and the defensive tackles and the fighting that was going down there. Like he, he was one of the best sideline. I don't, I, I don't know if sideline reporter is a good way to say it because he was right, really sideline he was analyst, a aimless,
0: right? He was the only sideline. Analyst. Yeah,
1: he was so good at that role too.
0: Yeah, I noticed that. Um, so sometimes I would listen to radio broadcasts on Sirius, and they used Tony Baselli on the sidelines doing the same thing. But Goose was the first one that that I can remember was ever used in that manner. And, you know, he just had a really sharp wit and he's just one of those guys that was, you know, if he loved you, he'd clown on you and, um, great sense of humor and in the Colts tradition, the Colts have a famous defensive tackle named Mark Donovan, a uh, hall of fame level player in the 1950s who was known as Fatso, but he was a really funny guy. And mm-hmm. in the early days of NFL films, or when I was growing up, they would always show uh, art Donovan telling stories. And when Tony Saragusa came up with the Colts, granted it was the Indianapolis Colts. Marcus is the same thing. Like, he, you know, he would just make you smile, make you laugh. Um, I, I, don't know other, what word to use other than just goofy. I mean, sometimes some of the things he did was, was silly, but it just made you laugh. And I was watching, um, some footage of him the other day. I think it's on YouTube, of him telling one of the assistant coaches, that this rookie said that he was going to kill everybody on special teams. Well, this rookie didn't say that at all, but Goose was just trying to get him, you know, basically in trouble. And it was, it was really great. But um, the 2000 Ravens defense um, with him and Sam Adams in the middle, Marcus, I don't know I've ever seen a front seven be able to control a football game like that.
1: I mean, him and Sam Adams were massive, right? How many pounds do you think those guys weighed at their peak? 700 total?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Sam Adams was huge. He came over from Seattle. He was already a good player in Seattle, and, and, uh, you know, Goose was probably pushing 350, and, uh, they were space eaters. They could make some plays for you. Goose, uh, hit Rich Gannon in that AFC championship game, but, um, they made it so that their linebacker core was free to roam and make plays. Mm-hmm. And it made a huge difference, whether it's Ray Lewis, Peter Boulware, Um, Don't get me wrong. These were good players in their own right. But Goose and Sam Adams, and I should mention the other two. Rob Burnett on one end, Michael McCrary on the other. Uh, the 2000 Ravens defense gave up, I think it was, um, I think it was 165 points, if memory serves, in 16 games. So you're talking about 10.3 points per game, man. Mm-hmm. I'd also
1: mention that I, I think he's really maybe one of the first big stars from Hard Knocks. Right. Like I, I think that's why <laughs> yeah. a lot of people remember him as honestly. Doing is, goofy I, pranks. Yeah. And I, that season of the Hard Knocks uh, was so good, partly because of Ray Lewis, Tony Saragusa, and Shannon Sharp. But Goose was a star in that. Um, and he actually parlayed that into I don't, I don't know if you gotten there yet, actually, Elliot, but he was on The Sopranos. Did you know this?
0: I haven't seen the episode. I knew that, but I haven't seen the episode yet. I've been watching The Sopranos. Marcus has strongly encouraged me to do it, and I have not seen. What I I heard he's a bouncer at the Bada Bing.
1: Yeah, he's also a driver a little bit too. He's in there for a little bit, but it's. I mean, I really don't know anybody that didn't love Goose, and that we're gonna we're gonna miss him a lot. He was he was one of the more fun NFL personalities that we had.
0: Yeah, I you know the NFL films footage I'm talking about where they're at training camp. He gets the rookie's name wrong. And then when he tells the special teams coach, yeah, he says he's going to kill everybody on special teams. And the rookie's looking at him like, I didn't say that. And uh, it's, it's just really funny, but um, you know, I've got his pro football reference page uh, pulled up right now. Cause I want to see how many games he started early in his career. Okay. He came in in 1990 uh, Marcus, the 90 Colts had Jeff George. They were like super excited about it. And then they hit rock bottom in 91 and going into 92, they hired Ted Marchabrota and uh, who Ted Marchabrota incidentally take the Ravens job uh, and coach Saragusa again. But in 92, do you know who the first overall draft pick was? was some draft trivia, right? What's that? Not Jeff George, is it? No, that's 90, 1992. First overall pick. He was a cult. This is a cult. Ooh, this is really. uh, This is gonna be hard. It's a defensive end. I know that, right? You're very close. It's a defensive tackle. It's Steve Entman. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was a big time player at Washington, by the way. (laughs) Well, may have been, but Steve Entman was considered a can't miss prospect. And you know, with Sarah Goose on on one side, a defensive tackle, and Entman on the other, they thought they were going to dominate the middle of uh, the uh, you know defensive line. And back then in 92, you know, we had a lot of prominent running backs in the league, and that was really important. And the Colts looked like they were going to be off and running in 92. They went nine and seven after going, I think they were one and 15 the year before. It was the largest turnaround in NFL history. And they had all these young guys. They had Quentin Corriott and and Steve Entman, and they had Jeff George, but they also had a young Tony Saragusa, and then just a lot of bad luck uh attitude jeff george's attitude and mm-hmm. uh steve etman getting hurt uh really derailed that so it took a while for the colts to get good but i remember uh i saw some video actually this week of saragusa so happy in 95 when the colts finally made the playoffs they went all the way to the afc championship game and they came this close on a hail mary against pittsburgh oh, i remember Jim harbaugh have you ever seen that play
1: only a million times my dad used to show me all
0: the Oh, this is how close the Steelers were to not making the Super Bowl. All he has yeah. the ball lands right in his belly. <laughs> yeah, so in the Mosher family, it was about how close the Steelers came to missing the Super Bowl. Not that the Colts <laughs> almost upset them. Correct, yes. But, you know, I, I it was cool to see the video of Saragusa really happy that they made the, the playoffs. And uh, they made it two years in a row, 95-96, had a pretty good team. Uh, and then 97, he went to Baltimore- where Ted Marchabrota, his coach in Indy, started coaching him in Baltimore. And then Billick got the job, Brian Billick in 99. And then 2000 is when they had that great Super Bowl team with not just Goose and Sam Adams and McCrary and Burnett and Lewis and Bulware, but also Rod <laughs> Woodson, Dwayne Starks. And, um, oh my gosh, Chris McAllister. I could not remember my other corner. I wonder if I can get the other safety. I think it was Kim Herring, but I'll have to, I'll probably have to look that one up. But... um uh, Just a member of a great defense, and I just wanted to say all that because I think a lot of people thought of Tony Saragusa as kind of this you know fun guy on the sideline. They didn't really know that he was a really good player, like a really good player, and not just with the two thousand Ravens. He had a long uh, career, and so uh, one hundred forty
1: eight starts. That's all. I mean, we don't see nose tackles play more than a few seasons now because uh, first of all, there's just not that big of a need for them in today's NFL. And most of those guys just don't last. The the NFL kind of cycles through those kind of players. So to have somebody play 12 years that Goose played, that's
0: pretty rare. That's right. That's right. And, you know, juxtaposed with Ferguson, who didn't really get to get his career going like that. And so it's it's a sad thing on on both ends. And we just wanted to talk about it a little bit, um, both of those guys. Uh, To segue off of that, uh, Marcus has been fighting on Twitter again. And, um, you know, you would think, you would think that, you know, by now you would be over this. Obviously, we have enough bad news on Twitter as is. You arguing on Twitter, uh, I, d- I don't see the point of it. To be fair, I did
1: not start this one. It was just I was scrolling on Twitter and I saw a bad take. And usually 99 times out of 100, I stay away because like, I know it's going to take. The next two hours of my day and it's not worth it. It's gonna take time away from my Ed golf. Game. Again?
0: It's not in order, is it? it no, wasn't no, no, not order. Me and Ed are cool. He blocked me. So we're had?
1: fine. Yeah, we're we're oh, okay, we're okay. fine. Uh right. but this one I was partly intrigued, partly annoyed. So uh, I'll mention okay. the guy, Nate Atkins, who actually works at the USA Today with Network, uh, with me. So I, I was clashing swords a little bit. Um, he was trying to define what a franchise quarterback was. And he basically made the argument that there's only two or three franchise quarterbacks in the league right now. And the argument is basically for you to be a franchise quarterback, you need to be a young guy with multiple playoff victories, uh, who the team has invested a long-term contract that they can build around, not short year rentals, or you're wondering if they're going to retire, not guys that haven't done anything in the playoffs, but guys that are pretty established. So my question for you is, what do That's you what define? That's what his
0: argument was? That's
1: what his argument was. Okay. Okay. I'll give you my in a second, my thoughts. But what is your belief as, as to what is a franchise quarterback? Because it, to be fair, that word does get thrown around a lot. If you are drafted like in the first round, you're automatically being called a franchise quarterback. But what do you consider a top quarterback or franchise quarterback?
0: A franchise quarterback is is the most important piece to your product on the field that where his ability and his play are commensurate with what your team goals are and what your organizational culture is. That's what a franchise quarterback is. So a franchise quarterback in my mind can be a Joe Burrow, a young guy on a developing team uh, who's trying to develop his career with that team, or it can be a, Veteran quarterback on a team whose window is closing, and this quarterback's job is to get them over the hump, because both of those are commensurate with what the organization's goal is, and they're still the most important piece of the on-field product. That's how I define it.
1: Okay, so age has nothing to do with this, correct?
0: Not, not to me. Not to me. So I
1: don't. I I don't think age has anything to do with it for me either, because. From what I've seen from Tom Brady over the last couple of years, he's still absolutely a top-level guy, right? It's not like the Bucs aren't building around him. They've been able to build around him the last three years, right? They're still going out and putting pieces around him to be able to win. I, I, I like your definition. I want to know how many guys or around how many guys right now would you define as a franchise quarterback?
0: Well, we'll, let's let's go through the the debate. Let's just start at the NFC East and go all the way through. All right, right, I'll count them for Uh, you. Yep. Okay, Jalen Hurts, no. Daniel Jones, no. Carson Wentz, no. Dak Prescott, yes, because the Cowboys are content to just make the playoffs and make money. Uh, NFC North. (laughs) Hey, tell me when I'm wrong. Justin Fields, no. Um, Jared Goff, no. So you're going to have uh, Aaron Rodgers, yes. Okay. Although you could make the argument, <laughs> how much does he in line with the corporate culture there now? I, I don't know, but um, it doesn't I, Cousins, for me. Th- he
1: doesn't matter though because he's so. When you have him on the field, he is franchise changing, right? If he if the Packers didn't have Aaron Rodgers and they were just playing with Jordan Love, I think they'd probably be a six win team this year, maybe even less than that. With Aaron Rodgers, you are. Arguably the Super Bowl favorites.
0: Yeah. I would say Kirk Cousins, no, because okay. there's been too much talk about granted, it may be all bast and rumor about him either being dealt or them doing something at the position. I have a hard time believing that's all just outside noise, but that's speculation on my part.
1: But he's still, I would say I agree with you. I don't know, I'm not sure he's a franchise quarterback here, but he is still absolutely somebody you can win with. And win because of
0: that's different,
1: it is different. I agree,
0: okay. Uh, because that's just a piece, uh, um, I, I agree, not the not okay. So, um, Tom Brady is a franchise quarterback, he absolutely fits absolutely. their organizational goals as a franchise right now. And that franchise is going to look very different two years from now. Um, they may, they may start it all over. Levante David's not going to be there anymore, yeah, they're going to have plenty. Plenty of players that are going to be gone. Mike Evans won't be there anymore. Gronk is already gone. Um, So on and so forth. Um, No on Carolina. No on New Orleans. No on San Francisco. Um, Arizona, Kyler Murray's a a franchise quarterback. No on Seattle. Matt Stafford's a franchise quarterback. He is, uh, to my definition, of fitting the organizational goals. In that they are trying to capitalize on the window they have right now, um, well, and, and he fits that.
1: And they literally traded away two first round picks to build a franchise around, and it worked. They won a Super Bowl with them, and he's the re- I mean, he's a big reason why. So yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah i I was kind of taking that under assumption that people know by now how much they gave up to get him. Of course, yes. So yes, th- when you have the capital invested. that's where they're not only your most important piece, but they're also fundamentally the most important to your finances uh, as well as your organizational goals. Okay. Um, AFC East, uh, Josh Allen. Yes. Uh, two and zero, Mac Jones. No, I don't think you can say that yet. And Zach Wilson. No, um, Pittsburgh, Mitch Trubisky, no Lamar Jackson. Yes. Joe Burrow. Yes. Oh, I'll let you make the decision on uh,
1: Cleveland. Oh, I, we, we can have debates on Watson, but Deshaun Watson's a franchise quarterback when he plays. Okay, he is, I just want to... and Cleveland, I mean, they gave up the city to get Deshaun Watson.
0: They, they are I just wanted you invested. to be, I just wanted you to be the bad guy. Um, okay. Uh, all right. So we go to the South, uh, Houston Davis mills. No Indy. This is a tricky one, but I'm going to say yes, because they mm. made an the investment to get him. It's it's, it's they're in that what they think is a championship window. And regardless of whether or not we think Matt Ryan's play might've declined. I don't think we have good data on that given with who he was playing with. And this was a guy who was MVP of the league five years ago. We've seen plenty of quarterbacks at Matt Ryan's age. What is he? 37 now yeah. played a really high level. So I, I, I
1: said you. no on him by the way, but go ahead.
0: That's okay. That's fine. Uh, Jacksonville. No. Uh, Not yet. I mean, in theory, you're going to say Trevor Lawrence is a franchise quarterback, right?
1: You hope, but not yet. You
0: hope, but not yet. Okay. uh, go to the AFC West. We've got the Broncos. That would be total yes. Uh, You go to Kansas City. That's a total yes. You go to L.A. That's a total yes. And you go to Las Vegas. In my mind, that is a total yes as well.
1: So, all together, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, 10, 11, 12, 13. And the names in no order Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Kyler Murray, Matt Stafford, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr, and I forgot Herbert. So that's 14. 14. Um, I'm good with all now those. If so we dropped, wanna...
0: if we dropped. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: The only one that I would consider dropping is Matt Ryan, just because I think think he's in the stage of his career now where he's going to be a part of the reason why the Colts are successful. I don't think he's going to be the reason why, right? We saw the Colts win nine games last year with Carson Wentz. I think they could win 10, 11 with Matt Ryan, but he needs them
0: probably more than the Colts need Ryan. Who's the next guy you would drop off the list? Because I think mine would surprise you. Hmm. Kyler. Yep. Kyler.
1: Cause uh, this is what it comes down to me for a little bit. I need to have absolutely no doubt in my mind that if I sign this guy to a record setting contract over the next four years, by the end of that fourth year, I'm not going to be disappointed. Like I absolutely no doubt in my mind, right? Bingo. Now Brady a little bit because of the age, but that's it, right? I've got confidence that these quarterbacks are still all going to be top 12 quarterbacks three, four years from now, except for maybe Kyler. And that's why I wouldn't have him in there.
0: Yeah, so that's that's why I was very specific with my definition. That fits in with your organizational culture. And yeah. do you feel that's what was happening earlier this offseason? <laughs> because, because I don't.
1: No, and... Uh, Kyler is certainly on the verge of where, like if this year just is bad for the Cardinals and they go six and 11 and he has a good, but not great year. Are you going to feel great about giving him $50 million a year, which is going to be the price of a quarterback like that? I don't think I would. Um, So that makes, he's a borderline franchise guy. Now, the other question I had for you is at what point do you know that you have one? Because I think Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence, Fields in Chicago, Trey Lance, when can we declare that you are a franchise guy? Is it kind of one of those things, you know it when you see it?
0: Somewhat, but I think there can be uh, demonstrable data or video, putting it on tape, so to speak, to show you that this is a player that lifts your franchise and mitigates other deficiencies. So if you take Joe Burrow, we didn't really get to see that chance his rookie year because he got hurt so quickly. And I actually Trevor think he was playing pretty
1: well before he got hurt. Like he, I thought he, would, sure. he had some games where he looked really well or played really well. He,
0: he looked good. He just didn't play enough. Um, I think in the case of Trevor Lawrence, I've seen flashes from Trevor Lawrence, but I haven't seen anything from him that tells me that he's going to be able to mitigate deficiencies in their run game, their kicking game. You know, defense, what have you. You know, when Seattle, when their defense was no longer that suffocating group, Russell Wilson raised his level of play. And although the Seahawks weren't a Super Bowl team anymore, they were still awfully good in 16, 17, 18 because of Russell Wilson. I think you need to see that. Now with Dak, I partially made that comment because I knew it would it would get you a That's little sorry. bit, but right. I don't I'm not convinced that the Cowboys sole goal is to go out and win the Super Bowl. I'm convinced that the Bucks want to win the Super Bowl. I'm of course, convinced. I agree with you. Yes. Are, are you convinced on the Cowboys that they're not also happy being competitive and making money?
1: Oh, I think this year, yeah, I think this is a year that they're just they want to be competitive and I think they're looking yes. forward to future years to make a run. Yeah. Yes. Um Go ahead. I'll let you finish your thought.
0: I just my last thought on this is if you have a young team that you're hoping to develop Winning playoff games should not be part of the data on whether someone is a franchise quarterback. Um got I me mean, I'm just trying to think of some examples from league history. I mean, Terry Bradshaw ended up being a franchise quarterback. He got benched in his fifth year. You know, yeah. I mean that that it happens. Roger Stahlback didn't get the Cowboys to the playoffs until he was 29 years old because he had a military uh service requirement. And then um Craig Morton was a starter. I mean, there's, so I'm, I'm going way back here, but I can go farther up. Well, you know,
1: I, I, I also think having, if you have a franchise quarterback, I, I feel like it really raises your floor, right? Cause I mean, you might be able to help me out with this, but who was the last franchise quarterback where they went like five years with seven or fewer wins. I even look at somebody like Matt Stafford, who mm-hmm. was on a really bad organization for most of his career. But from 2011 to 2020, his last year with Detroit, they were 71 80 and one. Now, again, that's below 500, but that's basically one game below 500 every year, right? They were at least competitive. And there were several years where, you know, I'm looking at it now 10 and six, 11 and five, nine and seven, nine and seven, where they were in the playoffs and maybe arguably should have won a playoff game, but you didn't go long stretches where, Hey, this is all, this is only a five-win team. Even though the talent wasn't great around him, still elevated them to being competitive.
0: So, I think the kind of the exhibit A of what we're talking about when it comes to someone not going to that definition of having playoff wins early in their career in my mind is Archie Manning because Archie Manning I guess I'm gonna, I want to I want to answer this with a question to you. If everyone that played against a quarterback says he was a franchise quarterback that could have been a hall of Famer had it not been for injuries in the team he played?
1: It depends. I think players can be a little biased. Um They like certain guys that, that, that are maybe a little bit harder to defend that aren't necessarily franchise guys. But in the case of Archie Manning, yeah, I agree. He was.
0: So, you know, there, there's just a lot of guys like that from, you know, the, the early days. And also, I'll give you an example of like a guy age. that
1: I was talking about, like Michael Vick, one of my favorite players ever. You talked to players, one of the hardest quarterbacks to defend. They, they absolutely yeah. love him. But was he ever a top five, top seven quarterback? No, probably not. Right?
0: Right. And I think the definition that people, the way they try to define it, of course, I'm going to like my own definition better because it's mine. But you could technically say Kurt Warner wasn't a franchise quarterback because he was only there with the Rams for, you know, uh, six years. And, but he was a franchise quarterback for two different teams, two different teams that had different sets of needs at the time. Hmm. And he fulfilled those needs for both, uh, both franchises. So in my mind, Kurt Warner was a franchise quarterback, but you look at Kurt Warner's uh, career, it's very unorthodox. So I, I just, I think it's most important to look at what the organization's trying to accomplish, where the team is, and then does that quarterback make you better consistently in the areas you're hoping for while mitigating other shortfalls on your team? I That's what I look for. And so sometimes I, that means a quarterback is going to be seven and 10. But it, if you have a
1: healthy starting quarterback for let's say 15 to 16 games, You shouldn't see a pattern of them losing, you know, only winning four or five games. Like it might happen in the course of the season, right? Deshaun Watson in 2020 won four games. I've got a feeling that's a bit of an anomaly, right? That's just not going to happen more often than not. I think if that were to happen for, let's say Trevor Lawrence, let's say Lawrence is always around four wins and he just is never able to elevate Jacksonville to this next step. I don't know if we could ever call him a franchise guy, even if his play improves, right?
0: Yeah, and and I think at the end of the day, I think what we're both really arguing for here is that this is a very nuanced thing. It's not as cut and dry as, yeah, it's a guy who gets you to the playoffs his first couple years and quarterbacks for your team for 10 years. That's just not, that's not even the way the league works anymore. So, um, I think Dak is one of the harder guys. I really do. I think Dak is one of the harder guys to determine whether a franchise quarterback because the lack of playoff wins. But in my mind, with what Dallas is trying to accomplish, that the fact that he does make them better and that he fits in there, you know, financially. Um, and, and they win a bunch of games. Right.
1: I mean, I'm looking at his record. Right. The record right now, 53 and 32 with him as a starter.
0: That's, a, that's very, very good. Um, so I, uh, to me, I'm with you or you're with me. I think Kyler Murray is more where I would go. And it's not that I think Prescott's better than Murray or maybe even a couple other guys on our list. It's just that I'm not sure that Murray and the Cardinals are going to, to stay married as it were. I, I think there's some
1: safety in Dak's leadership and off the yes. field stuff that you feel better about yes. because I think on the field. I mean, we could have an argument as who is the better quarterback, and I think you can make good points on both sides, right? But I think because Dak is an A plus plus leader, he's so well liked in the locker room, and that's not always maybe been the case for Kyler or some other quarterbacks, right?
0: Yeah, but making points for both sides or trying to be reasonable is really not fashionable uh in today's society. It
1: isn't Elliot, we're trying to bring good sports debates back, right? Good discussions.
0: To bring sportsmanship and character back would be a really great thing. That would make my Friday, I could tell you that. Integrity, right? Integrity, yes. (laughs) Honoring what you see with your own eyes. What else? What other (laughs) non-sports camping things can we talk about? Uh, Nothing. You want to get into another quarterback debate? I I feel more comfortable there when's the last time you went camping i was talking about camping i don't know what you were talking about well i you know listen, i go camping all the time but it's a different kind of camping oh i like how you pulled up on your imaginary belt buckle there when you said that dropped your voice it's speaking huge of, it? yeah speaking of everybody if my voice has sounded weird i, I don't know what the deal is i've woken up with a hoarse voice the last couple of days so the sound quality of our last couple of podcasts i've been saying a lot of ums and stuff it's me trying to catch my uh Whatever that little resonance is back there, so I apologize to everybody. Hopefully, I'll have my um, Southern Roadhouse. You know, I didn't do something this podcast. You would reference Roadhouse? No, I was going <laughs> to reference another line from a movie. I didn't do it this time. So anyway, uh, I think I think we should get out of here for today. Yeah. Marcus has got tea times. So this is really important <laughs> stuff. So uh, as always, you can catch him uh, hosting Locked On Cowboys with Landon McCool. He covers the Raiders for USA Today. He is at Marcus underscore Mosher. I am at Harrison NFL. On Twitter, we will see you guys on Tuesday where we'll do another Brinks video and uh, talk about something that affects all the teams. We're not sure what it's going to be yet, though. We'll let you know that. Take care, everybody.